0: I We're back with another episode of 60 Seconds in the Microwave. Today's a special one. We've got the infamous Chad Davis, co-founder of LiveCA, uh, by far Canada's fastest growing and most impressive uh, cloud-based firm. Uh, they started without an office, still don't have an office and Chad has been most recently touring the country in an RV uh, with his family. So uh, a really exciting conversation coming up. I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, let's jump into it. Chad Davis, welcome. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. I don't even know where you're flying back to after this. Where in the world is your RV today? Today it's in Victoria,
1: of all places. And um, when we fly back, we've got about 12 hours until we pack up and head off to Tofino for a month. Oh, really?
0: Mm-hmm. And what are you guys going to do in Tofino?
1: We are going to account. I guess that's what mm-hmm. accountants do. And, uh, and we're going to spend some time on the beach, maybe learn how to surf again, because the first time was epic. Failure. And uh, I think actually Caitlin was there for that and got to witness how bad of a surfer I was. So, round two coming up this month.
0: I feel like I have to ask you like, when anytime you say you're going to be somewhere with your RV, I have to clarify it with, is this a work trip or is this a personal trip? But it sounds like the answer every time is it's a blend of both. I work on the road, I go surfing, I enjoy my life. You've got yourself a pretty sweet deal. How did you uh, come up with the idea?
1: First off, I do not surf. I don't think anybody that knows me would say I'm a surfer.
0: I've seen pictures of you in a wetsuit standing uh-oh. upright. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> that was that was probably for Instagram more than it was for <laughs> anything else. Um, like I mean, if we're going to talk about the RVs, I think that was really just a formulation of getting getting tired and kind of overweight in my basement uh, for working kind of long hours. And I think that it's it's important when you're part of a good group of people building something that's really special to each of those people that you uh you put a lot of effort in and after a while i think in life things change and your perspective changes and what's important to you changes and for me that change was was for my family i uh i'd miss them even though they were upstairs we have a fully remote company but just because you're working remotely doesn't mean you're always with your family. It means that you're kind of consciously choosing how to spend it, and I did a really bad job for the first few years. So, what did you?
0: What do you mean by bad job? Uh,
1: this my is wife, like now my wife, Davis uncut my wife bad job family, <laughs> family man. <laughs> uh, Olga, hi, um, my wife will be listening to this. Um, I think it really just came down to priorities and having bad ones. And we're probably all guilty of this one time or another in our lives. And and for me, it was putting um, it was putting live CA uh, ahead of family time with my my newborn daughter at that time. And it meant um, finishing emails before finishing dinner. It meant finishing a phone call or a Zoom call before finishing you know the chores or to help out my wife. So. I was, I was probably a really bad husband in those early days of starting the company because I, I justified to myself that that was more important. And I'm really happy with where live CA is today and I'm so excited to be part of the team that's building this, but I'm equally excited to put family first. And that's why for the last year and a half we've been traveling full time across North America.
0: I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions on the RV experience and all the cool places you guys have, have been to and maybe the save one for later the, the craziest place you've ever posted a journal um, <laughs> is is one that I'll let you noodle on for now but what have been like since you've gone on this journey and, and where you are today like looking back on it what are some of the highlights that you've that come to mind in terms of the the family side of it and the impact that it's had on, on you as a father or husband, but that you've also noticed on on the over, overall um, family picture.
1: I really, I think I love my wife more. I know that's kind of sappy, but I think when you get to spend so much time with somebody in a small place, we're talking 400 square foot minus, you you find out what's worth fighting over and what really isn't. and I think I know that I'm closer to her now than I have been in the past, and I know that she'll say things like, being with our family in a small quarters for an extended period of time really forces you to focus on what's important, because if you don't, you can get really wrapped up in things that really don't matter. So for example, um, our daughter's education the way that our son is brought up. You know, exposing them to things that we couldn't do back in Nova Scotia is really important to me because I was given that opportunity by my dad when we were young and got to travel. And, you know, by the time I was in grade five or grade six, I had been to, you know, half of the United States. And for a small, you know, a kid from a small town in Nova Scotia, that was pretty special. Mm-hmm. So I think that sort of ingrained a, an idea that travel... Is enriching, and if you if you make more out of travel than visiting different costcos in different cities, you can probably get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. So whether it's museums, local landmarks, the people, um, just taking things in and getting lost, it's one of my favorite things to do. Is you know take an afternoon, go for a drive, have no Google Maps open, find out where you're going to go, and we've found some of the most incredible and unusual places that way. And I'm just trying to teach my daughter that that's OK. And um, it's OK to just learn and keep learning.
0: Mm-hmm. And you document all of this as well. on. Uh, I believe you've got a pretty famous Instagram account now. A few members of the Zero team, I think, follow you and like to let us know where in the world is Chad Davis. Update seems to be a, a frequent occurrence. I think
1: the only people that follow me are (laughs) zero zero staff members, uh, my wife and my mother. So uh, thank (laughs) thank you for following me. It's an exclusive crew. It's an (laughs) exclusive
0: crew. (laughs) And on the business side, I mean, there's not many people, I think, around the world that would be able to say that they've taken the bold decision during, I guess, what is a, a critical time in your business's life cycle, like you guys are we hear that you're growing really quickly, you're hiring new staff fairly frequently, like there's a lot going on. Um, you made the, the bold decision to go and run your life from an RV from wherever you wanted it to. Do you think that that has enhanced or hindered the overall performance of the business and the, the culture that you're trying to foster?
1: My favorite thing about the Live Say culture is that it's not based off of one, two, three, or five, or ten people. It's the sort of culmination of everyone's ideas of what it should be. And it's growing into this thing that I'm honestly, sincerely thankful to be a part of. And that's just not empty words. I feel privileged to be able to see that you know people are taking trips to Europe together. They're going to Costa Rica together. They're going to Aruba together. Um, they're getting together in small cities in, in Ontario and Alberta just to be together.
0: Any office scandals at these trips between staff members? <sighs> Any HR nightmares or anything like that? Or it's so, all like, it's all above board. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've, one of the best moves I think we might have ever made was hiring an HR person to get me out of that job. <laughs> so shout out to Brianna, thank you for all the work you do and to Chris Frame for creating an incredible opportunity for people to kind of grow and live here. Thank you very much.
0: Mm-hmm. So you, overall, it's been, I mean, you're almost setting the example for your team, right? And I think as a, as a co-founder, you, you're in that position where you, it may not seem like it's a super conscious decision at the time for those around you, but it sounds like you've been very, very deliberate in your decision to go out on the road and you considered a number of different factors outside of just ob- obviously the overall benefit for your family. Um, I th- what-
1: yeah, I think people join LiveCA CA initially, because they know that it's a remote team and they can be wherever they wanna be. Mm-hmm. And then something kind of special happens during the, the hiring process in the first few weeks and they realize that remote is literally one-tenth of the recipe for what you might call a successful sort of launch. Mm-hmm. And the other nine, i again I made up that number, but uh, the, the majority of the other things have to do with, with culture and with professional opportunities and with career paths and with the idea that you're working with good customers and you have supportive applications and team members and resources to be able to do your job. And that's really the hard work that goes behind the scenes. There's a lot of these sexy sort of things that are shown in social media and in blog articles and in newspaper articles that focus on remote or the RV or Josh being, you know, in somewhere south, whether it's Colombia or Argentina or anywhere.
0: I saw him yesterday. He just happened to be in Toronto. Yeah. (laughs) The
1: the fact that him and I get to be in the same city, you know, at least every three or six months is awesome. And now we've got a a larger partner group um, that, that has, you know, joined Josh and I and, know having them be able to do what they want to do is important um you know chris moved from edmonton to Fredericton, right that's where he wanted to be and uh, dave is kind of moving from you know the east side of canada the middle part of canada Mm -hmm. and you know after being on a sort of 20 plus country tour over the last few years and tyler was able to um leave squamish and you know that's a real, a real estate market, <laughs> uh, and then kind of moved to PEI, where he's from. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's, those are three examples of, of things that have worked out, but it's really about the freedom and the opportunity and, and not being handcuffed by any sort of policy or procedure that allows not just these three plus Josh, but, but everyone in the team to, to do what they want.
0: Mm-hmm. Where did you find the – are they three new partners? to CA. To
1: no, and that's something new for, for Josh and I was to sort of th- think, what does it mean to have a successful company? Mm-hmm. And it means you need buy-in from a lot of people. And really, what is a new company more than just people buying into an idea and trying to build it together? And I'm just as bought in as everyone else. And the idea of a career path and partnership, in accounting, that is sort of the titles you use and what we hope to create over the next few years is a very clear path to partnership and make it very well known that there's always going to be room to move up in a growing successful company.
0: I think it was just around the direction and maybe being a disruptor so I think what you guys have done from day one has been very unique. I think To elaborate on my own line of questioning and help you out a little bit, Um, how do you feel that the accounting industry in its entirety has responded to your model, both now and along the entire journey since you founded LiveCA?
1: I don't think people start their careers or their businesses to try to disrupt or be a disruptor. They try to solve a problem and make their lives better. And it can just be as simple as that. So for us, we never tried to be the model for everyone else. And in fact, we, we didn't take inspiration from anyone else as we, were, as we were growing this, and we're still growing this. We wanted to do right by our, by our team members. And that sort of single focus around doing good work for customers in a way that was respectful to the team was really important. Now, to say we got it right all along the way, not a chance mm. we made lots of mistakes and you know to this day I kind of look back and think like should we have done something differently and i think everybody has a bit of regret when it comes to looking back around major decisions they've made but i'm i'm quite proud that all of those decisions have led us to where we're at today and that means that you know one of our one of our managers from from uh, saskatchewan can also live and work in an rv it means that people can move around who
0: did it first did you do the rv first or did, did they i i might have <laughs> uh, but but her <laughs> You're RV, claiming it. You her, are claiming her
1: her, her it rv is. <laughs> is her rv is fantastic uh, yeah so melissa uh when she when she launched on the road um we were lucky enough to be somewhere west of her and uh ended up driving to lloydminster and met up with her and camped that night and uh, met up with another uh, payroll specialist, Alyssa and Lloyd Minster. And I think that's just, again, another thing that just brings a smile to your face because you can drive to almost any city in Canada and have, well, not any city, but most cities in Canada and have a presence there. And I remember asking Brianna, who runs the HR and culture side there, sort of, what are our stats for cities and things like that? And she said, there might be, you know, between 65 and 70 employees across 49 cities wow. across Canada.
0: Have you met everyone in your team?
1: Uh, most, and yep. the, the ones I haven't were, were, might have been because we had skipped a city, but um, another thing that was really important to me was to, to meet people and bring out their families, their dogs, their kids, and, um, and have fires and potlucks and campfires along the way. So in every sort of major city, when we got back into Canada, um, we met and had incredible times. And um, you know, there's nothing quite better than having a potluck with a, with a bunch of families and their animals, and um, getting to know people outside of a restaurant setting or a forced sort of—I mean, I guess this was forced—but um, like a, a setting where you can be yourself. And if you have to leave, you have to leave. If you can, you know, we actually had some people camp with us because they had never camped before um so you know a big shout out to jp in ontario he had never like, kind of camped in the rv before so he rented an rv and put it side by side and had a big meetup up on ontario and uh i'm scared yeah. to hire yeah. an <laughs> rv so shout
0: out to jp as well for actually doing that and following through because i'm actually quite you make it sound really exciting and and sexy as an experience but i'm terrified of actually trying to make that happen. So yeah, JP, wherever you are, well well done (laughs) on
1: following through. Yeah. And then like Emily up in Edmonton, she's camped with us a few times. I actually got to stay on her family's horse farm in sort of Southern Edmonton for a week with... Did
0: you you learn how to ride a horse?
1: My daughter did. All right. Bareback. Wow. For the first time and she was seven.
0: So do you think like, again, going back to the how much of this is business? How much of this is personal? Do you have a sense for the split between how much of the benefits that you're getting from running and living your life out of an RV across Canada, how much of the benefits are more weighted to personal life and family life versus business life? Or is there an even split? Like, could you put a number on it?
1: I don't think you can answer it. All I can tell you is the feeling. The feeling is that I'm happy now and... I have no idea how I'll feel in the future about RVing or traveling or anything like that. But I think my life is more enriched because I do get to spend more time with the family, but also to meet the team and also meeting partners like today. Um, i in Toronto meeting you. Um, it's been a while since you and I connected. Um, but I also got to you know, have a, a customer lunch. Uh, I met with some banks. It was just really cool to be able to take small two or three day chunks out of that, take care of work, and then come back, and then just kind of get back into it again. So it's really hard to say, but all I can tell you is that I'm, I'm happy with the way that things are turning out.
0: Did you uh for your lunch date today, did you go to your favorite Chinese place over in Chinatown in Toronto, where you took me once? I wish.
1: <laughs> so when Will and I were dating, um, <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we went to
0: New Ho King on Spadina. And <laughs> there's a plug for a small business. Th- that's right. I like that. <laughs> and disclaimer: they're probably not a client of yours, so there's no conflict. there. That's like, right. It's a, it's a good Chinese it's, restaurant. It's in a Toronto. good Chinese
1: restaurant, and look, that's the place where my wife and I went for dinner in university. And, you know, it might be the only place open at 2 a.m. on a Thursday or something. Um, but great memories, right? And I, I think that's what this is about, is like creating memories, creating friendships, creating like just something that you'd want to look back on and smile.
0: You've painted a really bright, happy, and engaging picture, which I, I love. And I think it's really important for people to have inspiration and, and feel like they can aspire to But there is a journey where you can get yourself to a point where you can be in a really positive, healthy state of mind. I know that that's something that can be quite tricky for entrepreneurs that are starting a business and can be riding out some of the tougher times. Does something come to mind when I ask you what was your lowest point in this whole journey of yours?
1: Yeah, I I think I, I'm not ashamed of it. I, it is what it is. I was probably about 275 pounds and growing in in my basement. It sounds weird, but it's a nice basement. Um, <laughs> or, or <it's> quite comfortable, <laughs> or quite comfortable, yeah. Um, and 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 I mean, this is a, a full circle back to the beginning when mm-hmm. we just started this call, but. Um, you know, we were spending time commuting uh, to drop our, our daughter off at school. Um, that was taking up hours a day, and uh, it just became like a routine that was, was hard for a lot of reasons. Um, but that routine eventually was, like I will not say boredom, but it was the sort of impetus to say, like, let's just do something. And it doesn't have to be anything, you know, erratic, but let's just do something. So my wife, you know, she's she's incredible, but she she went and saw like this ad for a Father's Day RV rental and said we should go look at this. I like, yeah, it'd be awesome. Like, like really, we like, have a house, you know, we're here, kids in school, like um, just for a week or two, right? She's like, yeah, just for a week or two. So we went up and ended up, you know, not renting it because the cost was just so expensive. And it was almost cheaper to buy one than it was to rent one. So we ended up buying it. And from there, we went on a six or seven week tour across Canada the first time. And then lo- kind of loved it so much. And it gave us that spark again for, I won't say life, but it gave us a, a, like a more positive outlook on the family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I saw what it was like on that trip to meet some team members across the country. And I, I really feel like there was a spark. and. I I can tell you that the spark is not dwindling at all right now, but it doesn't mean that it's perfect. And there are lots of times when we wish we were not on the road, but there are lots of times that we're just super happy that we are. So, look, um, if you've ever ever met, like, Josh and I in person, we're the exact opposite people, Um, right? Josh, I think, is training on some type of pole right now to become super – sideways man and like I'm just trying to put down the sugar stick so um, (laughs) um, it's it's nice to have that sort of balance but at the end of the day like you do have to take care of yourself and um, my wife and I went on diets together we lost weight together We became healthier together and um, I think sometimes you do need to change your surroundings to make large changes
0: Mm -hmm. Although you might not necessarily, like on reflection, you might not need to, only maybe small adjustments are necessary in your lifestyle, but maybe it takes something big, something significant to kick that into gear so that you know that you're banking those small micro changes that you need. Yeah,
1: go on a trip, just take some time off, take a couple weeks off if you can, Just, just, there's no prescription for this. And this is like kind of what worked for us. I hope it works, you never know. This could like completely fail. And and ruin everything. But um, I just I just love the idea of uh, a bit of a splash of change. And I th- you think back to you know, the big moments in your life, even even yourself, TV star, uh, <laughs> stupid, <Stop it. laughs> firm owner, um, managing Canada. So you you've got these large. Ch- items of change that have happened over your life so that's what you remember right Yeah, you kind of don't remember the time you took a week off and just
0: read so. that's so true I, I tell the team like so we and this is all about you but I totally agree with that mindset I, I'm constantly trying to remind the team not to get too invested in the nine to five like it your health is absolutely number one and then family for us is is number two. And the reason why health is first is because you can't be good to your family if you're not looking after yourself first. So I firmly believe that you need to look after yourself first to be able to provide and be the person that you want to be in your family and then... You make a decision what you want to do with number three, but it generally is something around following your passion. And for a lot of people that join our team at Zero, really understanding and discovering what their passion is, and then aligning that with, well, hey, this is the mission and vision of what we have as a as a business. How can we incorporate what you're passionate about into matching with what we're, where we're trying to go as a team from the very beginning when you and Josh first met and got together? How close? Are you today to what that initial vision and mission
1: was? Probably miles apart in the details, mm-hmm. which is natural. It's been what seven years plus, roughly. Um, but we never really lost the the direction of building this for something bigger. And for something bigger, if you want to be very specific, one of the most proudest things that is in my life right now is the fact that we have a team of over 65 people that get to do this and they get to tell their family and their friends that they love their job and that they have an opportunity to grow with the company, be smarter, use their skills in a way that isn't sort of limited and, you know, people use the word impact a lot and happiness and all these things. I don't know what word to describe this. But all I can tell you is that the feeling I have of being part of this is more important than the feelings I've had of being part of anything else in my life. And I know that that sentiment is shared with a lot of the team members. And our hope is that we treat, like we spend this next 12 months to 24 months of just doubling down on the team and making sure that they have all of the resources they need, the support, the opportunities for, for professional development. and you know, they, they continue to sing those high praises to their family and friends when they, when they talk about the company they work for. And then if that means that like, this is a part of their company, eventually,
0: there's almost nothing better. How do you solve the problem of bringing new, so you're obviously going on a really steep growth trajectory. You've got like, you're in an exciting time of your business's life cycle how do you solve the problem of bringing new talent into the business? Do you, there's two schools of, of thought around this, which I've read up on and, and I'm trying to figure out for myself as well and always challenging myself to try and get the right balance. Do you have a sense for when you would like to give people that have been loyal and are motivated to progress and grow and is there a line where you look to bring external talent to come in and match that ambition of people that you already have with experience from somewhere else to add on to the experience that you already have how do you draw the line between those two dynamics when you're growing so quickly and need to hire people to, to keep the business growing as quickly as it is
1: we've thought a lot about this and who knows what the right answer is hindsight's twenty twenty, right mm-hmm. but we know what's important, and recognizing and growing with people that have been with the company is more important to our own psyche and to our own needs right now than it is to hire externally. So while some positions might require that being fulfilled because there might not be an internal way to fulfill it, the, the general consensus is fill within. Right? That's how we had the HR hire work, right? Brianna was an onboarding associate Mm -hmm. and she came over and worked on HR.
0: Did she express interest in taking that journey before it was even something that the business identified as having a need? Like, is that something that you, that came from her ambition or is it something that you guys drove and it just almost complemented itself conveniently at the time?
1: I honestly don't know how it happened. (laughs) I think it just be, there's lots of conversations happening Mm -hmm. um, between, between different members and different team members. um, But it it happened and it just made sense. So, um, for us personally, I don't mean to keep repeating this, but yeah. it feels so good to be able to offer that progression for existing team members, and you know where we str- I don't say struggled, but where we really put some effort into our own abilities is is you know are we the right people to, to grow this and take the you know, the responsibility on our backs to take care of this company from a stewardship perspective um, for the whole team and that's a scary thought because you know no one uh, of the partners has ever been a partner before or a business owner um, so so one of the most valuable things I think we've we've had is that we've hired a sort of executive coach and had you know using that perspective that third-party perspective to uh, you know, identify, I know it's a buzzword these days, but blind spots, it's incredibly helpful. And when someone tells you flat out, you know, you are weak at this, the effect of you being weak at this is this, here's what you should do.
0: How did that person know that what the blind spots were?
1: So we're still sort of in the first sort
0: of six months of
1: this mm-hmm. um, arrangement right now. And the it's, it's a, I, I think they're just good at their job.
0: So this is, and this is what I, I'd love to get at. Like, is this something that you would recommend other business owners, especially if it's their first time, second, third time running a business? Like, is this something that you guys have found particularly valuable? And is it something that has brought fresh perspective and fresh input into how you run the business and run the team and for yourselves as founders? Or is this something that you noticed was a burning need for yourselves and you just needed someone else to come in and facilitate it?
1: No, I think I think they have helped a lot. Um, again, we're open book, but the the most important aspect I think that uh, that this individual has, has created for us is the need to have a very clear vision, and that vision makes making decisions very easy. And I know you got to read the vision on that uh, presentation that Josh did yesterday.
0: I did, and shout out to Josh on his presentation. He had some wicked pictures as the backdrop for his slides. There was all kinds of cool photos of, of you guys as a team at campsites, overlooking beautiful landscapes across Canada. Like, when you get on an accounting conference, you can kind of see the picture in your mind of what the slides are going to look like. I mean, you guys obviously have been around Canada, done some interesting stuff. And I just love that you're in a position where the accounting industry in general is open to that and wants to see more of it and hear more of it. So, I, I, again, I really enjoyed Josh's presentation. Um, and some of the pictures that were through there were, were great
1: RVs and hummus. Yep.
0: There was a reference to hummus in there. <laughs> I can't actually remember what the reference to hummus was, but I know that it was in there, and I remember the picture, which was a great big bowl of hummus. Um,
1: so Josh and I went, I actually went to Tel Aviv. Um, I'd never traveled across, uh, across outside of North America, and he was over there and said, you should come over. So I went over for three weeks, and um, he took me for hummus and back alleys, and, you know, <laughs> funny story, we went Almost to the Syrian border hiking. So if you know Josh, you know Josh is a hiker, and uh, I took us to these beautiful waterfalls. But he forgot to mention that you know five kilometers to the west or east, sorry, northeast was Syria. <laughs> so <laughs> this was at a time when um, there might have been active, yeah. you know, things happening there. Border attention. Yep. And um, let's just say. On the drive home, uh, I still had my sort of GPS on for find my iPhone back then, and uh, had a really good chat with my wife around being so close to Syria at <laughs> that time.
0: <laughs> that was Olga's response. Was yeah, she...
1: She, she, yeah, I deserved everything I, I got. <laughs> <Good. yeah. laughs> um hmm.
0: You mentioned that the executive coach is something that you guys see a lot of value in. Is this your first business venture? Have you done anything like this ever before? Even tried to?
1: Yeah, Josh had his own company, and he came up with the name LiveCA, and then I had my own company. Great name, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unreal.
1: Yeah, and um, we were doing different things. So I had tried. Um, I guess here's the here's the honest truth: is that you know when you're when you're by yourself, and you're trying to get as much work as you possibly can. It's it's almost it's really hard, and it was so hard for us. I think we made, or I made less than probably less than forty thousand dollars that first year, mm-hmm. coming back from the Cayman Islands. And this is you yeah. as a tech guy. This, like, is, this is me as a tech guy, and and you know it didn't take long back in two thousand twelve to get to the top of the zero partner listing. Mm-hmm. I think I might have had fifteen licenses, and that was good enough for the top. Mm-hmm. And then for you know five, six, seven years, we were at the top there
0: and have rode that way ever <laughs> since <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well played to you guys yeah
1: but yeah we had tried and you know josh was you know maxing out on his capacity and i was maxing out on our ability to be sort of profitable to my family and it just it got to a point where when uh, when josh reached out to me through the zero directory of all places yeah.
0: um this is a good plug for the Zero Advisor Directory, by the way. Well, would you Get like? Would you aware. like? Would you like to interject? Please. Go what, ahead. What no, is? No, what dude, is the Zero no, Advisor? Like you to tell us, Chad. What has the Advisor Directory done for your business? <laughs> the the Zero, Zero
1: Advisor Directory is a dating service for would-be <laughs> founders. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so meeting an
0: RV. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, it's funny. Like we we had a bank account in my own personal name before I had even shook in Josh's hand. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, but we, yeah, we both had our own thing and, you know, weren't super happy with where things were going. And we realized that together we were better.
0: Yeah. How did you realize that? What were you like? At what point did you realize, hey, we're both not nailing it the way we want to? We'll, we'll be able to nail this together. Yeah.
1: Imagine seven years ago, um, someone that doesn't do tax trying to find a tax accountant that was familiar with zero. It's, you know, it's getting better even today. There's a lot more people that can do it. But back then, I was I was going through CPAs that knew tax, sorry, CAs back then, um, very fast. None of them wanted to log in, even if you gave them full access. Um, Josh was like, Yeah, cool. No problem. Yeah. And I said, Well, you can just give me all the stuff that you don't want to do with, you know, anything that's not tax. He's like, Good, do it. Because I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. Uh, we tried a few files, had no idea how to price, had no idea what we were doing. But it just worked out over time. And we're, just, we're still refining that today. We've made tons of pricing mistakes and tons of, well, just tons of mistakes in general. But I think that when you know their mistakes and you make the right change and you surround yourself with people that can call you out on it, I think that's the key
0: too. Mm-hmm. What's uh what's been the the moment where you or Josh has has called each other out on that it has had the I guess biggest profound impact on either of you and and the business? Like have you ever had any major conflict where you both were going in different directions and had to come head to head and go, Nah, Chad, pull your head in, this is the direction we need to go to, here's why.
1: No, I'm you know, I don't know if this is a proud badge of honor or not, but Josh and I have never raised our voices at each other, ever. We've always been kind of chill about it. We've been sort of directionally you know, aligned with every decision we've made. And that's kind of what made the first you know, few years when there were n- no other partners quite, quite good. But what gets you, the old adage, what gets you from point A to point B doesn't get you from B to C. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening here. So I, I'd say we're in the sort of late beginning to early middle. Of where live CA is and it's because now we have accountability to other partners and we're doing this and building this team together and that's the most important thing is to realize that it's it's healthy to be called out by other partners when the direction doesn't make sense but the healthy conversations are what makes the partnership work and my only hope is that that lasts going into the future
0: everything that you guys have done and how deliberate you are in your actions and the types of people and individuals that you're looking to bring onto the team to foster that next wave of growth. I feel that you guys have a really strong sense and high degree of confidence for what's coming and what's on the horizon. And sure, things might change for you, but I I believe that you guys both have, and your new partners now have the degree of self-confidence in your decision-making ability as a team to make those decisions, to continue to always be at the front of that adoption curve.
1: Well look, that's, you can sort of pinpoint the major milestones of change within our company. And if I was you know, a firm starting out today, I would not try to replicate a firm that's larger than them. It's really hard because there's years of knowledge, there's years of experience of what's working and what isn't, there's years of protocols, there's just there's too much. So taking on as many clients or customers as you can, learning yourself which customers you like to work with, figuring out what procedures need to be put in place, and then how to replicate that is a hard, hard road. And every firm is different because every owner is different and every person is different. So if I, if I were to look sort of in the middle around what really segregated us between, you know, 20 people and 60-plus people – We started breaking out the roles from the individuals. So what that means is, you know, a CPA student or associate or someone who is sort of working to be a manager, before they might have been doing bookkeeping, HST returns, reviews, government stuff you know, payroll, This is all beautiful AP. stuff. Right. It's great stuff. I love it. Me and too. I know that everyone listening loves it loves too. Loves it. Loves no, it. No, and that's not even being sarcastic. Yeah. Like, they, I love tax. That's I, right. I, I,
0: <laughs> I really do. Like that, the logic and the, the approach to it, I really find intriguing. And I, I feel like accountants in general also align to that same.
1: Right. So if you take that and you're like, you, you bundle that into one person because that's all you have, it's going to break that role. So we broke out every element of that and brought in new people. So by doing that, we reduced the risk of turnover to the customer. We reduced the lag time between inquiry and response. And we created sort of mini experts in almost every area of the firm. So all of a sudden, we can go from servicing customers at $300 a month to now serving clients at $3,000, $5,000, $10,000. It's possible now because you have those specialists, mm-hmm. but it takes a long time to develop your own internal ideas of what a specialist should be able to do, and then not overselling it.
0: Well, yeah, and then even just the capacity and, and resourcing side—like you got to be turning over a fair a fair bit, or have a ridiculous um, amount of cash flow available to go down that specialist route. A lot of firms that start out, and some of the most successful firms in this modern modern age of, of client services, client accounting services tend to be accounting professionals that have broken away from the traditional model because they see the vision for themselves and they just, they apply themselves to go through that exact journey that you spoke around which is learning with every client, making sure you're doing the right thing by that client but then you're bringing that knowledge back into how you can apply it across every other client that you have going forward. A lot of firm owners are doing all of this by themselves up front. At what point did you guys, in your growth journey, how quickly were you able to start to hire a team and go down this specialist route? And what would you say is a reasonable expectation for anyone starting a firm today to be successful? How much do you need to actually do yourself first? I have no idea. And the
1: reason is... I (laughs) asked a really (laughs) Uh, long-winded... And it's because... I think it depends on the customers you're serving, yeah. and it depends on the abilities of your team. So in the very beginning, we incredibly lucked out uh, for the first gentleman that joined us, Dave. After that, we probably had two to three people by the end of that year. So within six months, probably four people on the team, plus Josh and I, roughly. Um, and then the next year, probably got up to about eight or ten. And you know that's okay, because you... trying to service the customers you're bringing on because for us, we just brought on everybody. We wanted the cash. We wanted the experience. We just took it all in like a garbage truck.
0: Yeah. I I can't imagine in a high growth business early on when you're bootstrapping it and trying to do everything you can, like why would you turn away business, right? Like you just-
1: You learn so much about yourself. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, it was probably around the sort of early 30 people range where we really started to specialize mm-hmm. but even today we struggle with with sort of coverage and making sure that there's the support roles in play and you know this year every year tax season gets a little bit better right sometimes you know firms will post photos of their team members in Mexico or something and during tax season and then it's it's incredible right and they might still be working 12-hour days but they're in Mexico mm-hmm. I mean that's great at all
0: you wouldn't advocate for doing a tax return with a pina colada because that's not definitely, professional. Definitely
1: not. But what what I think is important is that when people go on a vacation and they come back, they're not coming back to the mountains that they normally do. Yeah. And I, I sort of wish I could read you off just some of the messages that have come back over the last you know three to six months from our team. They're thanking with like the most heartfelt, um, sincerest you know discussions around how they feel coming back from vacation when they're, they actually, somebody told me this uh, the other day, I forget who it was, but they called it client TV, where they're going through their triage of their emails and they're watching every issue be dealt with without them because there's coverage and there's care and there's support from the whole team. And that's I think that's happened three or four times in the last few months where sort of senior positions um the manager positions, bookkeeping positions, AP positions, they've all gone on vacation and all come back to almost no extra work. And in an accounting firm that we've been a part of for a long time, that has never been the norm.
0: Yeah, unheard of.
1: So I think if we use that as our focus and you know, align with the vision that we're trying to have normal work hours where people make a good amount of money and they enjoy what they're doing and there's probably like 17 other sentences there, if we keep it on that focus of the employee and the team member I think
0: we'll be fine it's coming to that time where I get to ask the golden question in 60 seconds or less picture yourself in the microwave what's the best piece of advice you could give to any entrepreneur firm owner anyone that's looking to start something new for themselves 60 seconds of advice all yours it's
1: probably to not listen to all the advice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it's <laughs> it's that, you know, if you're building something and it's different than what other people are building, then build it. Take inspiration where you think you should take inspiration, but most importantly, have this, this mindset around learning. And I think about everybody I surround myself with at the company. They're addicted to learning, and they're addicted to new thoughts and not just being ingrained in this is how it's being dealt with, go ahead and do it again that way. So it doesn't matter what it is, talking to other people, watching TED Talks, podcasts, blog articles, white papers, it doesn't matter. Just ingrain yourself in other people's opinions and thoughts and exposures to things and you're gonna be fine, 60 seconds or less.
0: Beautiful, thank you very much. So what's, what's next for LiveCA? Like I know you're going back to Victoria to your RV, but as a firm, like what's what is on the horizon?
1: We want to take care of our team, and by doing that, we hope that they take care of the customers as much as possible. So, you know, we're we're looking for for incredibly, um, you know, I won't say. We're just looking for people that want to join us. We are going to be hiring um, for some support roles, and it wouldn't surprise you that these support roles are going to be ones that are there to support the team, so they can take more vacation, they can enjoy their regular work hours more throughout the year. So we're not going to go on a, a rampant hiring spree for you know adding you know fifty more people, but we're gonna we're gonna ramp up and, and hopefully have some new people join us that that really enjoy helping others and, and growing for themselves. So you were to say what's next in the next 12 months it's taking care of the team so that they can take care of the customers
0: I love what you're doing for yourself your family your team your clients and the entire accounting industry like you're you're a very generous person with your time and um, thank you for taking the time to spend time with us today I appreciate it and I look forward to seeing what you guys are able to achieve over the next 12 months and beyond
1: thanks well and thanks for for doing this podcast too um, it's it's nice to be invited on, but I'm more interested too to hear the other people that come on board as well. We'll get more so. for you, just for you, <laughs> no. Jack, just for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just goes to show you that you know what we didn't talk about earlier on was how zeros played a huge role in our growth. So if you think about you know the firm that we are today, we are 100 percent zero. We always have been, and we're we're very very lucky to have met Zero when we did, um, so that we could start early, and just get the right processes in place, so that it was easier to grow than to try to straddle. So thank you for being a part of that, and I understand now why you kind of Gave up that part of your life to join this, and we're all lucky for it. Thanks. It's
0: hard. It's a hard decision to make, but like honestly, it's moments like this and getting to speak to more and more accountants that are part of the zero community. Um, for me personally, that's what motivates me to do more of that. Um, but you've been you've been a pioneer in the industry. You've always been willing to contribute and provide feedback. Um, not just to zero directly on how we can evolve our roadmap, what we should be looking to do to solve problems for your team and your clients, but you're also giving a very giving in in, um, your time in terms of the advice that you're willing to give other practitioners, anyone else that's either looking to go on a similar journey or someone that's taken a completely different pathway just to give them uh, a different perspective.
1: Yes, and I can't take credit. It's Bowkies and Dave. They do a lot of the feedback. They're fantastic. It's not me.
0: And that's a wrap. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)